Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 144 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. I wanted to start this episode with saying how grateful that I am that you guys are sending me your questions. As I shared with you guys a few episodes ago that I'm doing a series on solely answering your questions. And if you got a sex-related questions, I would love to hear about them. Hopefully I'll be able to answer it. If there's a specific question that's outside my scope of practice, I'll make sure I will have an expert on the show that the person can help you with, with the question that you got. So if you want to record your question, you can go to sexologypodcast.com. There is this blue tab and you can record your voice. So today we're going to continue our conversation about how to connect with your body. Last week we had Delisha in our show and she talked about the importance of connecting with a pleasure. And part of it was like showing up for your body. So today our guest is Jessica Graham. She talks about why so many of us are checked out during sex and what can you do to increase your body awareness? Because I know at least every single person that I comes to my practice or my friends, they want to be present and in tune during sexual experiences, at least most of the time. But just their mind goes, gets distracted, think about other stuff. So we're going to talk about what to do to increase your body awareness. And more importantly, I know many of you guys want to know what to do to boost your sex drive. So Jessica will help us with that conversation as well. Jessica Graham is a meditation teacher, sex relationship and spiritual guide for couples and individuals, speakers and author of Good Sex, Getting Off Without Checking Out. She is contributing editor of the meditation blog, Deconstructing Yourself, and co-founded the Eastside Mindfulness Collective. Jessica also found Wild Awakening to help people become more human through psycho-spiritual evolution using meditation and self-inquiry. She also is an award-winning actor and filmmaker. I leave a link to her website, her book, and the show notes. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Jessica Graha. Welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to have Jessica Graham in our show. Jessica, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you on the show. I know mindfulness is a big part of your practice, and it's wonderful that you incorporated how people can have that and include that as part of their healthy sex lives. So first, one of the first complaints that is related to feeling distracted I get from clients is that they're saying that I'm constantly preoccupied during sex, I'm either drifting away to my laundry list or things I have to go to do grocery shopping, or I'm not feeling aroused in the moment, so I have to go to realm of fantasy. So tell us, why are so many partners are checking out during sex? Mm, yes, this is the number one thing that shows up for me as well with folks that, that are looking for support. And there are a number of reasons. I think there are a lot of reasons, but there's a number of reasons that I run into a lot. One of them is that it can be 
painful emotionally to be in our bodies. Even those of us who haven't experienced huge amounts of trauma have still experienced just the trauma of being human. And when we're in our bodies, we can be reminded of that and it can be really uncomfortable. And as a culture, we are somewhat disembodied. We're used to jumping into our minds. It's, it's a sort of a cultural agreement that, uh, you know, the mind over matter, right? And so when the body has any sort of trauma stored in it, oftentimes if we don't know how to work with that, we don't know how to heal that, we just want to get away from it. And sex is such an intimate, raw, open experience that it's magnified what's going on with our bodies. And so we're even more likely to want to remove ourselves from that equation. There's also, of course, the way that we feel about our bodies, how they look, right? And culture has, our culture has a really specific idea of what our bodies should look like. And they should be thinner, or they should have more meat on them, or they sh- the breast should be bigger or smaller, or we should be taller or shorter, our skin should be a different color, all of these things, right, for, for perfection. And so that seeps into all of us, even those of us who, you know, would like to think that we're not affected by it, we're affected by it. And so being with somebody else in that intimate and open way can also bring up these insecurities around our body. And again, we want to we wanna jump out of the body. But also just in general, so many people are living from the neck up. And there's no reason to think that when we start having sex that that habit or that addiction to our minds would cease. In fact, it increases for, for many. And so it's not just during sex that we're lost in our minds. It's most of the time and most of our thinking is non-functional. Most of our thinking isn't actually doing anything at all. And we miss out on the beautiful tool that our mind is. You mentioned fantasy. And uh, I'm actually in support of fantasy if it's used in a, in a mindful way, if we're aware of how we're using it and it's not cutting us off from our bodies or our partners or ourselves. That's an example of how we could use our minds. But because we're so used to being used by our minds and just dragged around um, on a wild ride wherever our mind wants to go, usually to somewhat negative places for mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, we, we, we lose that capacity to actually mm-hmm. use the mind. Mm-hmm. Love to hear about how can one incorporate the fantasy in a healthy way that they're not necessarily disconnecting from their body. So it's not necessarily a distraction. It's a tool they can use for amplifying the arousal. Mm -hmm. So the first thing, as a meditation teacher, the first thing I like to mention here is that most of us are in a fantasy most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're in the fantasy of the future and the past Mm -hmm. most of the time. And so it's really important to wake up to that, right? To have some awareness of the fact that our mind tends to take us into the fantasy, the fantasy of of the memory of how it was, the the fantasy of, you know, how we want it to be or how we don't want it to be. More often, we replay these negative versions of the future. And so to recognize that is really important because that, of course, is going to translate into how we use fantasy during sex. I like to think of fantasy during sex as a movie that we're playing in order to increase and enhance and build upon the connection and the pleasure rather than a movie that we're just lost in that's Mm -hmm. disembodying us and taking us out of the experience. I've heard so many different kinds of fantasies and so many different ways of, of using fantasy when I've spoken or with clients. And It's a beautiful example of our human imagination Mm -hmm. and how wild and 
just colorful it really can be. And so I never tell people like, get rid of your fantasy. But I do say, if you find that you're attached to a certain fantasy, mm-hmm. and I can speak for myself, I had a certain fantasy and it was really specific. Well, there were a few of them and they were really specific and I needed them in order to climax. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was very attached to climax. So the idea of, you know, putting, letting that just be a cherry on top was not, was not part of the equation for me. I, that was like the thing to get right, the goal. And so I felt that, you know, I needed to get that. And the only way I could get that was to bring this fantasy online. And honestly, the fantasy, it was a fantasy that I didn't actually want to live out, right? Which is totally okay. We're totally allowed to have fantasies that we'd never want to do in real life. But it was, you know, somewhat compulsive. I needed that fantasy. And it did disconnect me from my body and from my partner. And over time, with the practice of mindfulness and with you know, practicing mindfulness, not only during sex, but in my life, that fantasy just became less and less necessary. Mm -hmm. And then I found fantasy in general just became less and less necessary. And instead, it was a once in a while fun thing to do during masturbation or to do actively with a partner, Mm -hmm. right? Because we can bring our partners into Mm -hmm. our fantasies, even the ones we don't want to live out, right? If there's something that really turns you on, but it's not really you know, something that you want to actually do. That doesn't mean you can't talk about it or have your partner talk to you about it mm-hmm. during sex and utilize the fantasy in a way that actually creates more connection and takes us out of our comfort zones, which creates more intimacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, it was very interesting when you talked about how for many people, I, and in my history, I can resonate with what you said about kind of focusing on, on climax as the kind of highlight and most important part of sex and that's the goal and that's what we want obviously it's a wonderful part of sex sex and sexuality but i think one of the challenges is we're not showing up to our body as as you talked about it with mindfulness when we're not mindful we're not present we're kind of like lost in this fantasy and we kind of like get back in the moment in this kind of a fire with a firework of climax (laughs) <laughs> so I think if one can somehow uh, learn the skill of kind of enjoying other parts of more subtle kind of sensation, movement, emotion that show up during the sexual play, that can help them to not necessarily be so invested in only and only getting climaxing. I know in your book, you have this wonderful exercises for body awareness. Can you tell us a little bit more about those? Absolutely. So I love to help people understand how to be with the body, right? Because we know how to think about our bodies, but to actually be embodied, to be in our bodies as we're, you know, walking around in the world is is incredibly powerful and transformative. So one of the first things I like to do is just help people feel their bodies. And one of my favorite ways to do this is to help people feel something pleasant or pleasurable in their bodies. So I borrow from somatic experiencing the modality from Peter Mm -hmm. Levine, And I use that resource. So I help people find resource in the body. And this can be something that just feels neutral, but it could also be something that feels pleasurable or relaxed or peaceful or grounded. And so that's generally the very first thing I teach anybody, whether I'm teaching a retreat or working with a client or even speaking, because it's such a triggering topic, sexuality. Mm -hmm. So I like to teach people to find that safety and Mm -hmm. home in their bodies before we even begin. And so that's a first step to just coming into the body and not necessarily navigating towards something that's uncomfortable because we're, we're 
kind of okay at that, right? Like we're kind of okay at like, oh, my leg, it hurts so bad, right? <laughs> but oh, the, my solar plexus is feeling warm and expansive mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Not something that we're generally accustomed to doing. And so that's a good place to start is to just get in touch with what feels good in the body. And then, and then focus on it, right? And you can focus on it for five or 10 minutes. And, and that's a meditation right there. You know, that can be your practice, just sitting down and noticing what feels good in your body and then feeling it. And you're going to get pulled into the mind, right? Because the mind creates thoughts just like the heart does what it does or the liver does what it mm-hmm. does. And it's just a human thing. And so you'll, you'll notice that happening and then you'll just come back to the body. And with practice, it becomes easier to stay with the body and to feel the body just like with practice playing the piano gets mm-hmm. easier, right? Like it's just, it's a practice. It's not magic. And it's not like, it's, it's not a special thing that only some people can do. Any, anybody can learn to do it. And then the next piece to start to bring this into sexual pleasure is um, a mindful masturbation practice or an embodied self-pleasure practice. And this is also something that I, that I tend to like to share with folks as a, as a sort of starting point. And there's a number of different versions. I'm sure there's endless versions of how you could work with this. Anything that I do is just an invitation, right? Like anything I offer is like, take this and, you know, explore it and make it your own. But the most basic version of mindful masturbation that I offer is you set a timer for 10 or 15 minutes and you create a comfortable space, whether that's your bed or a couch or a favorite, you know, lounge chair, whatever it is. And you set a timer for 10 or 15 minutes and you put aside any toys, Mm -hmm. any porn, any erotica, any fantasy, Mm -hmm. just for this exercise. Not because I believe those things are wrong, but because this is all about you and your body. So you put all those things aside. The only thing I generally say to include is lube if that's mm-hmm. part of your self-pleasure practice. And even if it's not, it, can, it could be a nice thing to um, include. And then orgasm is not at all, the, or climax is not at all the point of the exercise. The point of the exercise is to get in touch with your body, to get in touch with what feels good in your body, to get in touch with what your turn-on feels like, mm-hmm. and then to really be with it and soak mm-hmm. into it. And so you don't start by just going right to the genitals. You start by exploring your face, mm-hmm. touch, touch your cheek, touch your lips, like try different. What does it feel like when you squeeze your face or when you gently stroke your face? Mm-hmm. Explore the rest of the body, the neck, the shoulders, stroke your own arms, explore the chest, you know, for people of all genders, explore your nipples in different ways, explore the sides of the torso, really get in touch with what feels good and you might be surprised. I had one uh, male client who did the exercise and he said, oh, you know, I just, I just kind of tickled and gently stroked my upper left chest. And I did that the whole time and it felt amazing. Did I do it wrong? <laughs> Which has got to be like one of the number one questions, both around sexuality and, and oh. right? And it gives us insight into what's going on with people. You know, we often think we're doing it wrong. Mm. And it was like, that was, and for him, you know, I was like, no, that was totally it. Like that was what was pleasurable for you. And so it may be that the first time, the first five times you do this, you never even touch your genitals. Mm. But if you do, if you move into that part of the body, I ask people not to go right into whatever they normally do. Mm -hmm. Because for a lot of people, there's the way they masturbate, Mm -hmm. right? And maybe they've been doing it that way since they were, you know, 13. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's switched up a little bit over the years. But for a lot of people, it's it's somewhat rote. 
And um, so I invite people to explore as if it's the first time. Mm -hmm. They've never touched themselves in this way before and to try things that they haven't ever done before and to move slowly through it. Not necessarily the motion doesn't have to be slow, but just the process of discovery. Mm -hmm. And when the timer goes off, maybe you've climaxed, maybe you haven't, and it really doesn't matter. It's not the Mm -hmm. point. And then I ask people to just do a little bit of writing to help integrate the experience. Mm -hmm. And then if after that you haven't climaxed and you want to, go ahead and pull out your toys, pull out your porn, whatever it is you want to do, and and go for it. And then come back and do this as a practice, not Mm -hmm. as a replacement for Mm -hmm. your masturbation, but as a practice, which eventually feeds into your self-pleasure, even if it's something that doesn't seem like technically mindful, it's still going to start to be more and more mindful. Because right. you, And then of course, you bring that into mm-hmm. sex with a partner, mm-hmm. these, these ideas. Well, I love that at the part that you mentioned to not start with the genital. I had the supervisor when I was doing my sex therapy training and she was, you know, at times with male who have issues with erection, we do this exercise that kind of they're doing stroking and letting go. And she was always saying that like instruct people to start with touching their face, other parts, so you can help them to kind of incorporate this kind of like waking up to their body. So I, I love that, that that was part of the practice you mentioned. I can imagine that it will be really frustrating at times for people because they, the expectation is, oh, I, I will be able to climax through this. But if they're exploring this new new way of like noticing the pleasure in their body, then that can be kind of a process, as you mentioned. And I love that you're saying that start from other parts in your genital, because as you said, that people have their own routine, they go through things. So this can be a very kind of a different experience for them. When do you want to incorporate it with their partner? What are some of the suggestions you have around that? Mm-hmm. Well, I, want to, I also just want to mention that, you know, yes, the thoughts can come up around frustration with this exercise of mindful masturbation, but also emotion can come up. Mm-hmm. And I just like to add that sometimes a mindful masturbation practice might actually just look like holding yourself mm-hmm. and saying, I love you, sweetheart. I'm right here with you, mm-hmm. right? doesn't even need to be a sexual practice if there are things that need to be addressed and worked through. And your mind is going to have something to say about the experience, whether it's, this is awesome, I'm the best mindful masturbator ever, or whether it's like, <laughs> or whether it's like you know, I'm the worst at this, or I'm bored. You know, sometimes people get very bored with the exercise. But that's something to notice, right? And so the mind's going to do that. And just like with any other meditation practice, you're just going to return to the object of focus, mm-hmm. which in this instance would be your body, your mm-hmm. hands on your body, your breath in your body, your pleasure moving through your body. And so it's, it's, uh, it's just about returning. It's that practice. So when we're moving into bringing this into sex with a partner, it's really helpful if our partner's on board, right? Like if our partner is also doing the practice and we can talk about it and we can explore it together, but that's not always going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, when I first started working with this in my own life, I was not in a relationship that could support it. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to explore it on my own. And so I did that through masturbation, but I also kept bringing mindfulness to the sex that I was having, even though it wasn't something that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And ultimately that relationship ended because we were going in different directions as Mm -hmm. far as what we needed and what our desires were. But you don't necessarily need a partner who's fully on board in order to start exploring Mm -hmm. this. But 
communication is the number one thing, as I'm sure like you find. Um, it's like people come because they want to, you know, talk about their sex life, but really we're talking about the way they're communicating. Mm -hmm. And so it's a perfect time to start practicing deeper, more intimate communication is to say, hey, so I was listening to this podcast and uh, they were talking about being in your body during sex. What do, you, what do you think? Maybe we should try this. You know, you can bring it up in a, it doesn't need to be, we have a problem and we need to fix mm -hmm. it. And here's the solution. <laughs> <laughs> who wants that, right? Who wants to be, mm -hmm. who wants to be told their sex life is a problem? And so to bring it in in a fun, inclusive, collaborative way, I think is really, really important. And then to remember that there's no one right way and you're mm -hmm. not going to get it perfect because there is no perfect. Mm -hmm. And that if you've been cut off from your body for most of your life, like most of us have, it's going to be, as you said, a process mm -hmm. returning home to the body. And so you can start while you're having sex focusing on the genitals, right? It's a really obvious area. There's going to be a lot of sensation there. And then you can slowly over time just start spreading that attention out to include mm -hmm. more and more of your body. As you do this, as you get in touch with all of the various movements and flows and, and you know, the vibrations and the warmth and the cool and everything that's happening in your body, you're going to be way more open and available for what's happening in your partner's body as well. And this is where we start to move into mind-blowing, spiritual type of experience mm -hmm. during sex because we really are experiencing the oneness that happens. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that can be with your long-term partner who, you know, you're maybe married to and, and, you know, there's a lot of years of trust and intimacy, but you can also have that kind of experience with a brand new partner or with someone that you might only be with that one night. You know, spiritual, mind-blowing doesn't necessarily mean one specific kind of sex. Mm -hmm. Definitely want that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Like if, if that's a goal, I can see that the people can kind of thinking about this is something I can incorporate in my practice that, that hopefully I can move toward that direction and experience that spiritual sexuality that's connected to spirituality. And I know that can be a form of sex, can be a form of self-actualization. So wonderful, wonderful that you mentioned that. As you were talking about the emotions that show up during sex, it reminded me of one of the wonderful concepts that you had in your book, which was orgasmic shame. Mm. which was fantastic. And I see it a lot in, our in my clients at least. at least. Tell us a little bit about that. What is that? And how can people uh, manage it and work through it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's somewhat universal. I hear it from a lot of people and certainly had experiences with it myself. And I think I don't like to generalize, and there are so many different versions of what gender can be, but I want to speak a little bit in generalizations. Women are really cut off from their pleasure. Mm. Oftentimes, when I'm working with a client, a, a female client or female identifying client, the idea that their pleasure is theirs is revolutionary because they have felt for many years that their pleasure actually belongs to their partner, that their pleasure is about their partner, not about themselves, and that their sexual turn on and their sexual vibrancy and their, their sexual expression doesn't belong to them, that it belongs to whoever they're having sex with or whoever they want to be having sex with. And so that's a, that's a big piece of it. We're not, women in general, are not connected to their own pleasure as theirs. And so I think that's a piece of it. 
Now, I also see this with men. And oftentimes, it's interesting, there's not the right kind of priority put on male pleasure. Obviously, there's priority put on it or else what everything I just said wouldn't be the case. But it feels to me that that priority is, it's, it's not the right priority. It's not about actually embodying and experiencing and exploring pleasure. It's just about taking pleasure. Like, okay, this is mine and this is what I'm supposed to have. And it, it actually limits the male pleasure and it limits the possibility of connection with a partner. Now, I'm talking right now very heteronormative. I'm talking men and women in a heterosexual relationship. And, and that's, you know, that's, again, a generalization. But this idea of orgasmic shame goes beyond any of that. And I think one piece of it is that we as a culture are disconnected from pleasure. You know, we're very tuned into pain and we're tuned into chasing hits that we think are pleasurable, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Pleasure as a distraction, pleasure as a way to avoid, pleasure in an addictive way, in addiction, but not just pleasure for pleasure's sake. And so it's almost like this thing is so foreign, therefore it must be wrong in some way. <laughs> and we need to be reintroduced to pleasure for pleasure's sake and pleasure in a pure and beautiful way. There's a movement called pleasure activism, uh, which I, I think is, is amazing. And it's about how you know, pleasure can really change our world if our focus is on it in a, in a healthy way, not in a, I'm going to chase after this app on my phone and I'm going to chase after this drug and I'm going to chase after you know, this sexual experience because I want to get the pleasure. But instead, if it's, if it's about really waking up to pleasure, then that starts to heal some of the shame and it starts to actually create positive change in the world. Because our, if, if, if our focus and intention was on feeling good, mm-hmm. that would change things, right? Right, right. And kind of people being okay with experiencing pleasure and receiving pleasure. As you said, like most of the time, at least the clients that I see, they're more okay with giving pleasure, but they, they feel lots of shame and they feel it's horrible. if feel kind of like they're focusing their own pleasure, which I love this. I haven't heard about the pleasure movement. What's the pleasure activism? Pleasure activism. Yeah, there's actually an amazing book, collection of writing from women of color all about mm-hmm. this topic. And I highly recommend it. I, I recommend it to everyone. I, I've read it because... I want to be more educated around how women of color are experiencing sex and pleasure mm-hmm. because you know, a lot of my client, you know, I have a fair number of white clients. And mm-hmm. so I want, I want to be educated, you know, it's like I, that's something I can do. I have the power to do that. So the book, I highly recommend the book for everyone. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Wonderful. And also I think one other thing that was very helpful in your book, you talked about people using this mindfulness as a tool to help them with increasing their desire. Tell us more about that. So because I, I'm thinking of one of the, like, for example, this self-pleasuring exercise that you mentioned, I can, I can totally imagine that would be helpful with people noticing the kind of the pleasurable uh, kind of arousing things that happens in their bodies. But tell us about other, other ways that this practice can help people with finding and kind of increasing their sex drive. Mm-hmm. So I think of our sexuality and our sex drive as a relationship we have with ourselves first and foremost. And just like any other relationship, you know, your best friend or even your sister or, you know, your partner, these relationships require attention Mm -hmm. and intention. 
if we have a friend who we never ever see and we never talk to, we never engage with on social media, then that friend ceases to be a friend. You know, we can have some people that were, you know, were, are just really special and we can see them 10 years later and it's like no time has passed, but that's still an energetic connection, right? Mm-hmm. Energetic intention and attention to the relationship. If there's none of that, then the relationship doesn't exist. And it's the same thing with our sexuality, I think. If we don't give it attention regularly, mm-hmm. then it's not really there. And the good news is, is that we can bring it back quick, actually faster than we might think. But it does require the attention. And so I like to start there. How are you giving your sexuality attention? How are you making it a priority? How are you fitting that into the rest of the things that are important in your day? And it doesn't have to mean that like every single day you're doing the mindful masturbation exercise. But if every single day you're touching yourself in some sort of pleasurable way, even for a minute, I think that's a great place to start. If every day you are noticing sensual experiences, the way your coffee smells right before you drink it, I think of a, you remember that? that classic episode of Allie McBeal uh-huh. where, where like, the one woman teaches her to like really uh-huh. <laughs> it's like that. It's like, that it's, show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like so sensual, right? Uh-huh. The smell and then the taste and the explosion of mm. sensation and the, and the feeling of the caffeine going through uh-huh. your body. Right. Just one example of a sensual experience that a lot of us have every day. Mm-hmm. And so to start tuning into these and extending them and bringing mindfulness to the experience of sensuality and of pleasure, this is another way to engage with our, our own sexuality. And then also to continue to explore and grow and learn, right? Like whether it's trying mindful masturbation, whether it's uh, learning about uh, some tantric exercise, whether it's you know, doing some breath work that awakens our sexuality, whether it's watching some ethical porn or reading some erotica or looking at, you know, erotic photography Mm. or whatever, writing yourself a sexy letter, Mm. finding ways big and small to engage with with your sexuality is really, really important. And then when we're bringing a partner into it, there's that relationship that we build together, right? They have their relationship with their sexuality. We have our relationship with our sexuality. And then we come together to create a sexuality between us. And that also requires the attention. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, you know, it's not actually that you're not attracted anymore. It's not actually that you're not in love anymore. It's, it's that those chemicals die down, right? Mm-hmm. We, don't get those, we don't get those less than attraction chemicals forever. They settle down. We move into the you know, bonding and the love. And so we don't have that kick that's keeping us going. We need to actually put attention into our sexuality. And we have, it's, it doesn't have to be like work, mm-hmm. but it does take a kind of effort. And it does take a showing up for it every day. And that's, that's what I see people not doing, right? They're not necessarily showing up for their own sexuality or for their sexuality with their partner. And it can be as simple as instead of giving that quick, hard peck on the way out to work to, to just slow down and let the kiss last like five seconds. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to involve tongue, but maybe the, the mouth softens a bit. Maybe we breathe into it. 
we just take that moment. Maybe instead of like the pat on the butt, it's like a, a stroke down the lower back and like a, a gentle squeeze, you know? It's like we start to bring in this sensuality and this sexuality into our sort of habits with each other and it starts to change those habits with each other and it starts to open up a possibility for expansion into our sex drive, into our sex life. And so that's one of the things that I always recommend to couples. You know, send a sexy text once a day. You know, act like a, you know, act like, act like a kid and, you know, like teenager, you know, sending some like less so text to each other and see, see what that does. You know, schedule time, you know, nobody, nobody wants to do that because it's like, oh, it's not spontaneous that way, but we have full lives. We have kids, we have careers, we have, you know, there's so much going on. Schedule the time and then take off the pressure, right? If you've scheduled a sex date for Saturday afternoon at three and Saturday afternoon at three you don't want to have sex, well then don't, but maybe take your clothes off and just mm-hmm. lie with each other, you know, maybe just like enjoy each other's bodies visually, mm-hmm. maybe um, talk about a memory of a sexual experience you had together, like find some way to connect mm-hmm. sexually. Mm-hmm. Love all these recommendations. And I think we all can do more of this, this things, this activities, this kind of mindfulness practices in our lives. Because as you mentioned, that people are thinking they don't kind of neglecting their sexuality and they, they want to be kind of like, they want to be able to kind of like rekindle it on the spot, which that's not how it works. And it's like an exercise. If you haven't ran for years, then you cannot start a like go out of the door and start running. So I, I love all the recommendation that you mentioned. I noticed we're toward the end of our time. And I know that you have this wonderful book and all these great resources for our listeners. So tell us if our listeners want to get a hold of you, what are some of the ways they can contact you? Sure. So folks can visit my website, which is yourwildawakening.com, yourwildawakening.com. And there is a link for my book, Good Sex, Getting Off Without Checking Out, as well as um, information about working with me privately. I see clients virtually all over the world. So, and I, I don't do the like, here's the 10 steps to your better sex life. I do more like Let's get together. Let's find out what's going on. Let's see where you want to experience transformation and shift. And then let's tailor it to you. So that's the way that I work with people. And I work with people of all genders. And, and like I said, that's, that you can live anywhere because I do it all virtually. And then also on that site, I have announcements about retreats and workshops and things like this. And then I also tend to do a fair amount on Instagram. It's become one of the places that I really like to offer support and offer, you know, words around these topics. And my Instagram is Jessica Clark Graham. And uh, yeah, that's a place that I, I, I tend to do writings a couple times a week, which, you know, a lot of it focuses on self-love and how self-love applies to sexuality and everything else. And that's, I would say that's sort of like the foundational topic for me is mm-hmm. self-love and um, it's the sort of new, new writing topic I'm going to be working on. And again, how does that relate to our sex lives? Because I do think that self-love is a no- the number one ingredient for good sex. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. So I'll leave the link in the show notes to all the website. And you also shared with us that you're going to offer some, some link to a mindfulness exercise. Uh, yes. So I want to offer your listeners a one month free code for Simple Habit, which is a really wonderful meditation app. And it includes a number of meditations from me that are specifically focused on sex. And so there's an orgas- orgasm anxiety meditation. There's a 
a meditation to use before sex with your partner. There's a meditation to use during sex with your partner. And then there's a lot of, I mean, there's a ton of other stuff on there and there's a bunch of really great teachers. So I will um, make that available to your listeners, anyone that wants to, to give it a try and, and yeah, check it out. Thank you for that. I'm always, I, I myself also always looking for specific mindfulness practices that connect kind of like mindfulness and sexuality together. So I'm, I'm very excited to check that out. Thank you so much, Jessica, for your time. This was a delightful conversation and I'm looking forward to talk to you in future. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you found my conversation with Jessica helpful. I love that she mentioned how we can connect to our body using the exercises that she mentioned. And she has more of those exercises in the book. So if you are interested, check out her book, Getting Off Without Checking Out. Also, if you want to learn more about the sex blogs that I've been writing and articles that I'm putting on out there, make sure you are signing up for my newsletter. You can sign up at my website, sexologypodcast.com. I've been writing on a weekly basis, at least one blog post around sex and sexuality and sending it out in my newsletter. So I hope that you will join the newsletter and I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.